Join the conversation. Join the conversation. You're with Cape Talk. Welcome back to a, another episode of Longer with Lester. It's our chance to do those more deeper, meaningful interviews and discussions and profiles of people that we usually don't have the time for on our radio show. And during this podcast, we get to spend a little bit more time with our interviewees. Today, we are speaking to Michael Weeder. He is the dean of the St. George's Cathedral in Cape Town. He is a former political activist, also currently a political social activist besides his clerical duties. Now, lockdown has been challenging and it's been a challenging time for many. Some of us have coped with the abrupt cessation of normal life by baking banana bread or doing crafts, spending time in front of the TV. But Michael Weeder, he has decided, besides his clerical work, to write poetry to deal with the periods where he has experienced a sense of desolation, a sense of loss. Many of us experiencing that over the last nine, ten months. And he joins me now on Longer with Lester. Dean Weeder, thanks so much for for giving us your time. How have you been? Hi, Lester. Good afternoon to you all. Warm greetings to your listeners. I've been a lot much better than I've been for a long time. I just last week I had a week-long retreat with uh, ordinance that were being ordained to the priesthood on Saturday past, and it was a very energizing, and one had a glimpse of the church as we are being reborn again after the COVID-19 crisis. Let, let's start with the church and the religious community as a whole. During this time of covid um, there was lots of questioning of, of places of worship, gatherings of the faithful being scenes of spreading the coronavirus. One must give credit to the religious community in South Africa. They are community leaders. They have the ability to be that moral compass for, for, for community members, whether they're part of the church or the mosque or the temple or not. Uh, they, they carry that weight and... Very early on in this lockdown, it was the religious community that said we are stopping or at least ceasing in-person worship. And that went on for quite some time now. Slowly, churches, mosques here in Cape Town starting to reopen. But but what do you think that meant for, for, I think, more than just people of faith, members of the community who often used mosques and the bells of the cathedral as almost the clocks for the day it, it, it kept the tempo yeah. of the of the daily life whether it be whether you don't go to church or not waking and you live opposite a church just the sound of people gathering on a sunday morning would have been your clock your internal yeah. clock yeah. that has disappeared for a long time during yeah. 2020 what do you think it meant for communities you know, it's on that uh, part of the clock uh, feature that we mentioned. I live in the cathedral house called the Deanery up in Oranjezicht, uh, and at half past five, if the wind is not too strong or it's blowing in a certain direction, I can hear the, the call to prayer coming from the mosque in the Buka. And it, it is a great marker in my own, not only my own spirituality, but my, just my sense of well-being. Regardless of whatever is happening, Somebody is there doing the bang uh, early morning that speaks to my spirit. And I think I, I find that this 
lockdown has actually been a very humbling experience because uh, I, I can cite an example of just uh, two weeks ago, I was standing outside, I was waiting for three people to come for our adult confirmation class, and there were two women in the parking lot, kind of the kind of uh, body movement that tends to irritate me sometimes because they want to ask them something, but they eventually compel me to do what I don't like doing, is to ask him, can I help you? In the sense that I'm also seen to be policing the place. And the lady said, no, no, I just want to have a look around. And then eventually I said, look, I can give you, I'm not I'm not supposed to open the door now to the general public, but I can give you two minutes. And hardly had she stepped inside that she became quite weak. You know, she was crying. And then I learned that um, about 15 years ago, as a young woman, she found refuge in the cathedral during the daytime. She was living on the street. And then I asked her, who were the priests at that time? She said, no, she doesn't know. She just came in for the silence and the sense of safety and the way that she became aware of the divine. So it wasn't about what we were doing as the professionals or the congregation. It was how somebody in the most direst need found the strength to achieve what came later in life. And so in many ways, you know, um, what I've learned is that the way we've been organized, Lester, as, as, as faith communities, doesn't always speak to people the way we think it does. You know, even a sermon, it's a it's a seed that falls on various types of ground depending on people's need, the politics of the land, and one's personal emotional state. And so, I think people have been making a lot of sense for themselves what faith means and what does it belong, what does it mean to be loved by God, and what does it mean to be alive in our society today. Now, Michael Weiner is a Kapsaklung, growing up in Cape Town, finding political teeth and political voice um, during the struggle and the fight against apartheid. What came first, the call to the altar or the call to the liberation movement, or, or are they are they mutually exclusive? Look, I, I I was just talking to um, uh, the Imam of, of Clayman Mosque, and when I listened to his life story and the early political consciousness that it, that he exudes, and then, and then later I spoke to Father Peter John, who, as a light in primary school, uh, asked his dad to drop him off at the funeral, the janaza. Of of Iman Arun that had been murdered, and I'm thinking of what I was doing as a ten year old, eleven year, twelve year old. I was literally unaware that I that I'd actually that I'm oppressed, and the church was for me a a place of it was a place of social gathering of wonderful people that. Uh, in the in what sometimes with the social chaos of of Alsace River, provide coherence and acceptance and so forth. So for a long time, I was kind of lulled into the way things are within 
uh, a community of the oppressed. And then in 77, I must have been now old then, about 18 or so, I met a guy from uh, uh, Classy Park area, uh, and I was working at uh, Colored Affairs, so that, that's already another signal of my state of mind and the heart of my politics. And John Estazen was a first-year social worker student, and he had to come. He had a bus to be from the state, and part of the, 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 the gig was to be present and to do work at Colored Affairs. And through him, I ended up spending a weekend and then subsequently many weekends in the Classic Park area. He was a co-DJ with Eli's coming. And that's how I got to carry speaker boxes into the Jolly Cop on a Friday night. And then afterwards, I remember sitting outside Cozy Corner, having that wonderful, iconic Salome, and listening for the first time, I'm hearing a kind of fusion jazz, Michael Franks, lady wants to know. Believe me, that was a rewiring of my my sound, my sense of music, what I was listening to, and it, it kind of is a marker to my to the opening of my understanding of my of the world that I was living to the broader reality of what is South Africa, what it means to be black uh, in that context. So it was a gradual part that really started with a certain type of music. And I've really always been indebted, and I regret that I've never been able to say that to Johnny Estazen because he passed a few years ago. Is is it, it? It sounds very much as if you are also trying to connect the clergy with with the inner romantic. You are a man who loves music. You are a man who loves. Poetry. I am familiar with your work and particularly your writings in your romance and your love for your wife. Is that is that is that, is that Michael Weeder who is the is the pastor who is also the romantic? You must be very suspicious of people who claim that for themselves because they must ask, "What are they hiding?" It's like, it's like if you're taking roses, every, the first thing you take roses to your wife, that's very nice, so your partner, your spouse. But if you're doing every day, they're going to ask, what do you want So my, I think my, my first love was really um, the children that, uh, that came into our lives through our marriage, uh, Bonita and mine. And I think when I, when 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 I saw them in terms of who they represented, they represented a part of her, her lineage, and the community of District Six from which she she's a kind of royalty of that period. And I think that was for me, and still is, uh, the way that it was a very humbling aspect that I had to kind of look at my priorities, what is essential, what is important. And I I, I, I discovered then the ability and the willingness to sacrifice, to secure the well-being of these children of mine as they came into the world at, at different points. Um, because by the time they were born, Kiara was born in 86, uh, and a year later, um, I had to leave the country. Um, at one time, we were traveling from Khabarone 
Bonita and our firstborn uh, in a car loaded with all the kind of paraphernalia that the ANC underground uh, was needing at that time. And when I look back at the risk that I exposed my family to, I have had to make many du'as, you know, of, of, of contriteness. Because you can, and I think it's part of one's the peculiar type of masculinity that you you wanted to do the most sacrificial to achieve uh, a freedom, and I think sometimes one lost a sense of of balance and priority, and it did, it did scar many of my generation uh, in terms of the politics of the day. Welcome back to Longer with Lester, a podcast series where we get to talk a bit more in depth with some of our interviews, which the opportunity that we aren't able to do so live on the radio today. We are talking to Dean Michael Weeder, Dean of St. George's Cathedral. We're talking about his new book, Lockdown, Love and Lament. It's an anthology of poems reflecting on his own journey, but also the journey of this city, this country, and also the world during this time of lockdown, COVID-19, coronavirus. It means a lot to many people. What does it mean for you, Dean? Do you enjoy the reflection, the quietness? Many you have, You are fortunate to have spent time with your family at home, but what was your feeling regarding this time that many people were, and, and to, to copy the phrase, alone together? I think it, it, we all started off with that sense of resolve, and we had a very firm and commanding presence of our president when he announced a state of national disaster. And I think we were all thinking, ah, we can do it, you know, it's only going to be three weeks. And when the behavior reality of what it means to be locked down and the streets are empty and the access to what would be the everyday of shopping and the kind of pleasures that we find out of little things that we do every day, all those disappeared. And I think as the lockdown, and I can only imagine the impact that it had on the relationships, you know, and how it compelled people individually become aware of what we were lacking, what the shortcomings, what was neglected. It also obviously became evident in relationships, uh, life partners and everybody else that defined family for you. So I think it was a, at, at, at one point it was, it, it was frightening. It, I think it still is as we see the spike uh, in the coronavirus pandemic and how it it's, we just I just heard uh, yesterday afternoon of how a, a 52-year-old priest colleague of mine uh, had died consequent to being hospitalized because of the coronavirus. And I had known him as a church warden in my, at St. Philip's in Chapel Street before the cathedral. So he's a young priest with a young family. I think he's a grandfather now. And he passed away. So it's it's just getting closer in a way that it wasn't in the... I heard I lost five uh, friends that I've known 
over many, over decades, uh, out in East London, in Joba, getting Cape Town, and then suddenly people of recent memory, uh, it was, we were saying prayers for the dying and mentioning the names of friends. So I think all of us can testify to the harshness of this close way that COVID-19 has impacted on us. But it's also been, I've also been privileged personally and also how generosity on a daily basis is evident in, in our community and in the kind of commonwealth of South African communities where people that I had with, I also, you know, I've got my prejudice about white people. I got my prejudice against middle class people and people that I would have at a given time of written off typical of the sturvy people. And I've had to be, I was confronted by their stellar exemplary presence in people that, uh, you know, that I wasn't doing as much for as much as they were engaging sacrificially. Mm. So I think that, that for me, as, as, as difficult as our country is, is coming apart, has come apart, I see also the, the way it's being rebuilt. Slowly, slowly, but there, there is a, a deep conversion. You know, there's a, 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 a Cape Flat wisdom saying, and I see the commitment coming out of this newness. Is it the same but different, pinning, pinning a poem to wording a sermon I, I want to know from you do you do you feel the same is something have a bit more meaning how is how is the process different you know I, I think uh, scripture particularly very Genesis uh, the, the theology of scripture is is also poetic you can't believe that God made the world literally in seven days or you can see Adam and Eva being shaped from the clay of the ground, made in the image of God as part of a, an, an ancient oral story that lived on in heart and memory as people tried to make sense of life. And so poetry is a very um, abbreviated form of distilling what, what starts with an emotion. And sometimes I'll be here somebody's singing and that becomes a song mm. and that becomes a, a poem and likewise also a, a certain text you know where it says and Jesus walked along the lake of Galilee and he said to the disciples and he names them come and follow me there's a poetic gesture of that that speaks of commitment but also of, of, of being disrupted from the you know from the economy uh, from from self, from family, but also going on a new adventure, and and it's often a conversation. I, I wrote a poem during that time called "Tell Me," and it was out of a conversation that I had with Hazel, um, with Jackie Job, uh, the dancer, and she said something unrelated to what I actually wrote about, but it became the poem that was informed by the way I imagined um, Jackie 
as a young person growing up in Sacton, being a dancer, going clubbing, and what it means to be living today with COVID-19 as part of the consciousness of the past in the present. Lockdown, Love and Lamed. It is an anthology of poems published by African Lives. It is currently available at Clark's Bookstore on Long Street, I'm sure. If uh, lockdown yeah. regulations uh, allow, you could simply just go knock on the door at the St. George's Cathedral and go pick up yes, your copy you of uh, Reverend Dean Michael Weeder's new book. Dean, thank you so much for joining us on Long with Lester. Really appreciate your time. Do stay safe. On capetalk.co.za On the app On DSTV channel 885 And across the city on 567am Join the conversation This is Cape Talk This is Cape Talk